Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. This is part of the Missed Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. We're an independent podcast still. Here, produced in the shed with the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, even when there isn't a race. Because we might be wrong, but we're first. This show, Inside F1, is about speaking to one of the very most experienced and well-known F1 journalists in the paddock. Uh, Let's speak to a presumably very soggy Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? How's it going, Joe? I forgot to unmute you. How's it going, Joe? (laughs) uh, I'm fine. I didn't get too soggy because there wasn't a lot of pointing going outside. Um, I did get a bit soggy towards the end of the day, just rushing around talking to people, but um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not any smaller. I haven't shrunk. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was a fairly miserable weekend, as I, I guess you can probably have guessed. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you amuse yourself? Like, I didn't see you going out and starting a Mexican wave with the crowd. You sent Daniel Ricardo to do that for you. I was actually working all day long because I produced magazines and uh, I needed to catch up with things. So I, I had work going all day long until the race well, I was going to say the race started until the cars left the pit lane and there was a thing called a live race going on. I didn't pay much attention, to be honest. So I wasn't intending a plug, but your GP magazine that you do, your PDF magazine, the the good thing about it is it doesn't actually fully rely on the race. You have a lot of like non-race content in there when you put out the, the editions. Yeah, we had a bit of a shorter magazine because obviously the race report didn't run to the same length as everything else, but otherwise it was as long as always, about 85 pages. So... And we did that. That was out about six hours. Actually, no, in this case, it was even quicker than that because um, I guess it was out about four and a half hours after the race. I didn't actually count. But um, there we are. It was it was just unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but th- to be honest, I know that people, lots of people have got opinions about what was right and wrong. But the most important thing to bear in mind is that they followed the rules uh, in, a, in, in as best they could to try and put on a race. In the end, they couldn't, 
but they did the best they could. And, you know, sending, you, you, you can't guess at, at, at lunchtime and say it's going to rain all day. We'll send everybody home because there would have been a riot. The Dutch fans yeah. wanted to see Max winning. You, you, you can't just start a race and, and then hope that nobody's going to crash and hurt somebody. And it's not just the drivers I'm talking about. It's about spectators and everybody. Um, so I think they did what they could. And in the end, that was all they could do. Now, the argument about whether there should be points is if you start the race, and the race is live, which it was from the moment they left the pits at eight, uh, 18, 17, I believe it was. That was a race. Now, they didn't actually have any racing laps, but it was still a race. And that way, because it was a race, they had to award points, even if it was only half points. So it was ridiculous that they awarded points for qualifying, but they couldn't do anything else. So the accusation, and I'm, I'm certainly not fueling this myself, the accusation was that there was a lot of boxes to tick and that's why they classified it as a race. The boxes to tick will be oh. saying that you've you've done a TV event and more cynically, which I'm not buying into, that also means that the paying spectators have seen an event and therefore got their, their money's worth. No, they, they, they saw uh, an event that was ruined by the weather. It wasn't the fault of Formula One. The, when the cars went out, the rain had lessened at that particular moment, when they fired them up and, and left the pits, the rain was less than it was before. But by the time they got round at the end of those two or three laps, it had gone back to what it had been before, and it was just not possible to do anything. So, yes, you can be cynical. Yes, you can say they should have their money back and all the rest of this stuff. But I don't mind if, if the fans want to have their money back. Lewis Hamilton can give up 2.5% of his income because that's basically um, – uh, the share of uh, you know one twenty second of his um of his money, uh, that's fine by me. Everyone can give up to whatever the percentage is, and the, and the fans can have their money back. The only problem with that is still a problem because Spa spent a whole bunch of money getting ready for the event, and no one was going to pay that back. We don't want to put Spa out of business. Yeah, we want we want there to be a Spa in the future, and suggesting that people get their money back um, would bankrupt Spa. So let's just be sensible. It's a mess. It was unfortunate. It wasn't perfect. But that's the risk you take as a spectator. It's happened once in 71 years yeah. in Formula One history, and it probably won't happen for another 71 years. Although the the rules of the game have changed slightly in as much as the cars are much more um, sensitive to wet weather. Spa is a very, very dangerous place in the wet, as was proven in the course of the weekend. If you want any other evidence, go on Google and type Spa Grand Prix 1998 and watch the tyres flying in front of the grandstands. Um, it couldn't be started. There have been races where there have been more rain. I don't doubt it, but it wasn't at Spa. And, you know, that that is the bottom line of it all. And that's the risk you take. Yes. And if you're disappointed about your outdoor event being rained off, cricket fans would like to say hello to you. Obviously, we're, we're used to it. I've only ever paid to go to one test match and it was rained off for five days at Headingley. And uh, actually, it was a brilliant, <laughs> it was a brilliant few days we had down there, to be fair. And it did look like the Dutch fans were making the best of it. But any outdoor event is subject uh, to the weather. It was, it seemed extreme. And it seemed like the spray was the real limiting factor. But we can get into a few different factors. I've got a question here, though, from Rob Asher, which is a, a great way to kick off. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Joe, if you'd have been the race director on Sunday, is there anything at all you would have done differently? Uh, I would say that the communication of some of the decisions 
was not perfect, but that's not the fault of the race director. That's the fault of the of the. Uh, I mean, for example, the decision to suspend the clock, which is not changing a rule. It's just it's trying to keep the race possibilities mm. alive longer to try to make a race happen. So what they did was they suspended the two hour limit, just saying the clock can tick, but we're not going to count it yeah. until a certain point, which you say, well, we have to count it now because it's going to get dark otherwise. And so that was a sensible thing to do, but that wasn't well communicated. And everyone was confused. You could hear the, the teams asking about it. You could hear us all going, well, you couldn't hear us, but we were all going, what does this mean? Um, but, you know, with, with that exception, um, I, I don't think they did anything wrong. I think, I think really they were very creative and very respectful um, of the fans as much as they could be. So when they were interviewing people, I was watching the Sky feed, whenever they were interviewing people, and when you heard the FIA to Team Comms, no one seemed to know that the clock had started. And it also seemed like very few people knew that once that clock had started, there was no possibility because they were asking people about Monday and people seemed to think that was an, an option. So clearly the communications and the, the team principals just didn't seem to know what was happening and what the rules were. Well, the team principals not knowing the rules is not unusual. Right. Um, sporting directors are the ones who know the rules and team principals generally turn to the sporting director and say what, what happens in this case. Otherwise, um, they wouldn't have time to run the teams that they're running because they'd have to learn all the rules. Um, I think the, the, the fundamental problem of all of this is that the circumstances that were presented to Formula One have never happened in the same way before at Spa. And you keep, have, you keep having to add at Spa because Spa is a special case because of Eau Rouge, fundamentally, uh, and Blanchiment and the grandstand being right next to the racetrack and this and that. But it, it's different to other racetracks. Um, and uh, that's why you have to deal with it separately. But we've never had anything like it. Therefore, the rules don't cover it. So you know, there are yeah. not rules. It's like the question of was there a fastest lap of this race? There's a point at stake there. The fastest lap of the race in a one-lap race, which is what it was um, ultimately, it was classified as a one-lap race, although there were three laps behind the safety car because you reset back if there's a red flag. Okay? So Mazepin set a yeah. lap outside the top 10, admittedly, so he wouldn't qualify anyway, but he set the fastest lap on, I think, the second lap around. On the first lap around, the only person who could have set the fastest lap, apart from the safety car, um, it was Max Verstappen because he went round faster than anybody else because he was ahead. So does Max Verstappen get one point for fastest lap? Or half? Answer is, no, no, no. Well, there was nobody set the fastest lap officially. Now, why that was, I don't know. But then again, we've never had this situation before. So you're kind of making it up as you go along. It, there was a feeling of making it up as, as you go along, but I, I don't think that's going to change those points uh, awarded. To some extent, it's um, it's done and dusted. But I just well, I just I, want to I, make the point, Joe, that yeah. I think the media and the Twitter sphere would be a, a much more hostile place if it was Lewis Hamilton on pole and Lewis Hamilton had got those those free uh, points and another five point lead over Max. I would have just uh, you know switched Twitter off for the day. Uh, up to a point, yeah. I think one of the reasons that, that he, he perhaps one of the reasons he said he it's liked fast, fans to get yeah. their money back was to make orange people happy. You know, I, I don't know what his thinking was, but I just thought it was a silly thing to say. Um, and it just naturally, there's always going to be people who will go onto Twitter and, and, and into magazines too who will sensationalize everything. But 
you know, it wasn't the fault of the FIA. They didn't do a bad job. And and fundamentally, everything you read saying this was a disaster, this was a catastrophe, this was this, this was that, it's just not true. It's just unfortunate circumstances. Okay. And one of the, the things we didn't get to cover on our, our non-race race review on Sunday night <laughs> was actually the pre-rain concerns about the current setup in Eau Rouge up to Radion down the Camel Strait. And mm-hmm. David Sayer here just has a question here. Are there any plans to look at Eau Rouge with yet more incidents, is the runoff area a concern that needs to be looked at? I believe there is something for next year, but we were already nervous, weren't we? You know, with 2019, with the W Series crash, with Norris, and that was even before all of this stuff on Sunday. I think everyone was worried from 19 onwards, to be honest. But the 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 key point about it is that um, there, there is a plan that has been in place now for probably a year and a half, um, to change the circuit. Now, that's not all just about Formula One. It's because the Spa circuit wants to have motorbike races. And in order to get motorbike races, they have to make changes, which include gravel traps and more runoff areas and moving barriers back and new grandstands and all kinds of things. That's all been programmed to happen. It's also, um, they started work on it uh, and had to stop some months ago because there was a question of whether there had to be a, would you believe, a construction tender. And there wasn't a tender, but because SPA is deemed to be a public enterprise, they had to cancel everything and have a tender. Now, that's all now happened. Um, and work will begin in October with the destruction or the demolition, rather, of the chalet, which helped, which blocks some of the view when you're in Eau Rouge looking ahead. That blocks some of the view of Radion. And therefore... That will help. There'll be a lot of regrading work. There will be new runoff areas at Blanchiment and at Radion. Um, and basically, there's a lot of stuff going to be done. Now, the only other question is whether or not the money is there to do it, because it was all organized. And then it got delayed, and the bank that was loaning some money is causing some troubles. And of course, the person who was driving the whole project was unfortunately murdered uh, about a month ago, the CEO of the Spa Circuit. And so... We need to find another CEO who's going to push ahead with it. It's all sort of planned to go, but uh, there are lots of problems still to be solved. Yeah. Okay. And so, so hopefully we'll be a bit less twitchy. It's just that it's you're hard pushed to think of such a high speed area in F1 where it's the cars driving back from a crash, going back into the racing line and back into the firing line, isn't it? And even with W Series, although they they didn't bounce back onto the track those cars were right in the firing line and the sympathy spins just made this wall of W Series cars. And, and that was a real wincer to look well, at. That, that one. Yeah, that was that was pretty unpleasant to watch. But there was a shunt in the Porsches. There was a shunt in Formula 3, all of them in the same place. And all of them, luckily, not all of them had the same outcome. Um, but the other thing about Spa, which is, again, remarkable, is the fact that the spray hangs between the trees. Right. And, and there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, even if you change all the tarmac, um, and obviously tarmac is very important in the production of spray as well. If you have a different tarmac, you have different sprays. Anyone knows who drives around motorways, you change tarmac, you change sprays. So, and it also to do, I mean, the dynamics of tarmac may not be the most exciting subject in the world, but <laughs> uh, new tarmac drains better than old tarmac because old tarmac, the holes get filled with dust. So, you know, there's all kinds of elements that have to be taken into account. Yeah. And um, basically, they're trying to keep Spa alive. We want to keep Spa. I mean, who doesn't? It's a fantastic circuit. It is my, you know, everyone, 
I, I was writing a piece this morning, and it's one of the celestial cities of Formula One. You know, it's like going to heaven, yeah. going to Spa, because there's nothing like it anymore. There's, and there's Monza coming up. It's the same kind of thing. These, these, are, these are pieces of heritage that we have to try and keep. And oh, yeah. it's really hard to do that. And, um, and it's one of the few of those old school tracks that hasn't outgrown F1. So Silverstone, Monza, Spa. But then you look at like Monaco, Hungara Ring, struggle a bit more with the cars. So when we turn up to Spa, Silverstone, Hungara Ring, those are real big red letter days, possibly into Lagos as well, for F1. And it would be a shame to lose one of those jewels. It would be. I mean, having said that also, I mean, if you look at Monza, the races we have there, they tend to be high speed trains uh, these days because of the way the cars are. Uh, and Spa, there's not, there wasn't a huge amount of overtaking. Um, well, not, if you look, not this week. Formula, well, the Formula 3 races, there was almost no overtaking. And that's why, I mean, this is this daft thing about reverse grids. People are winning races for the wrong reasons because nobody can overtake them. doesn't mean they're the best driver. You know, this kind of thing is, is, is just hopeless. And, um, but there is a problem um, at the moment on a lot of tracks with overtaking, as we know. So that's why the, the cars are being changed. And, you know, hopefully... We want to keep Spa alive. We don't want to just go off and be going to these new built places all the time. We want to have some of the classic tracks as well. Okay. No one tell Matt Trumpets we were talking about uh, tarmac dynamics. He will want to do an hour-long special on it. And um, my idea is just little flappy bits on the back of the rear wheels. That'll stop the spray. I've solved it. There we go. That's free, that is F1. That's a, sport, that's a sports car. No, just little flappy bit, just little rubber mats over the right. back of the back wheels. Just... That's a sports car. It'll work. Think of now, this. They've got, now they've got halos. They'll be wanting windscreens next. Then we'll have Le Mans cars. You know, so uh, Formula One is all about being, being an open wheeler championship. And an open wheeler with flaps on the back is a sports car. Just little flaps. Anyway, can we ask, answer some questions from our slackers, from our slack can group? indeed, yes. Let's do that. Um, oh, Okay, this is a natural point to move on to just the rest of the schedule and, and what we're doing now, because F1 is just messing with my plans at the moment. I, I feel personally attacked. Richard says, does Joe think there's any chance that Spa might be rescheduled later in the year, but, I don't know, with snow tyres, uh, to fill a gap in the schedule? Uh, isn't there a precedence in 1985 when the track surface broke up and the race was cancelled? There is a precedent, but there's a difference. And that is that there were, I can't remember how many races that year, but it was 16 probably. And there were more gaps. There are no gaps in the calendar today. There are no gaps. We are doing, actually, we were going to be doing 12 races in 15 weekends and then it's Christmas, but now we're only doing 11. So we've got a bargain weekend off, but they can't do it. We're going to kill people from exhaustion if we try to move Formula One around the world and have another race rescheduled. Forget it. Joe, I want to go home. Joe, in, in, <laughs> that's because you're in France. In the UK, we're not going to have any stuff for Christmas anyway, so it doesn't matter if we're working. It's all right. Um, well, what can I say? You make the choice. It's not my fault. Yeah, and also it does get a little bit. It does get a bit chilly. I'm assuming in um, in Belgium. Come uh, December, there, there's a ski resort just round the corner from Spa. Okay. Yep. Do, do, you, do you need any more evidence? I I went nope. past this um this rather nice ski lift and thought, blimey, yeah. And I I've not been to Spa in December. I must admit, but if you've ever watched the Battle of the Bulge film, you'll see that the, the snow was a good three feet deep. Yeah. All right. Look, we've got some silly season questions as well, but let's just talk about the rest of the calendar. We know it's Zandvoort. We know it's Monza coming up. Firstly, before we go on to to how the rest of the calendar might look, Zandvoort, this is exciting. We've been waiting for this for X years now, for ages. I I am both 
excited and concerned that it's going to be a bit Hungaro ring-ish, but it looks like we're also going to get some rain, hopefully not too much. How are you feeling? Oh God, not any more rain. Yeah, well, it's forecast. It's forecast I don't, rain. I don't know what's going to happen. I think the, the biggest problem they have at Zandvoort is not overtaking it. It's getting everybody in and out because it, it makes access for like, like Silverstone in the old days or like Spa last weekend, which was a complete mess as well. So um, the biggest thing is to get all these mad Dutch fans in and out every day. Um, and uh, then as to what happens on the racetrack, there are some theories about bank turns creating different exit speeds, and we'll have to see if those work. Um, honestly, it's hard to know, um, but the but the the people with um, calculators and slide rules and brains uh, <laughs> seem to think it might. So um, we'll see. Uh, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But then again, you know, um, it will be great qualifying if. <laughs> If it turns out you can't overtake, it'll be Monaco again, won't it? So yeah, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be just a, a flood of orange, isn't it? I are you going to wrap yourself in an orange flag and like tear the Union Jacks off your luggage? Well, I don't have any Union Jacks on my luggage, as you know. I have European flags, but um, I think <laughs> I do know. I do know that because uh, in my hotel was a was a, a very hardened uh, race fan who I talked to on each morning as we went along. Um, and he's actually somehow got hold of tickets for Zandvoort. And so there will be at least one bridge in the grandstand. <laughs> um, there are a lot of people who can't go because of COVID constraints, et cetera, et cetera. But um, those of us based on the continent can actually do things without too much trouble. Uh, he's also based on the continent, but he is a Brit. So I expect there'll be one Union Jack there flying somewhere. But yes, it's it's basically going to be... Um, yeah, an, an orangey boom kind of weekend, you know. But I, I, you can't begrudge that. I feel uh, happy because they've had to wait and they've been looking forward to this for a long time. And Max Verstappen is such a feature now that that having a Dutch Grand Prix is it's going to be good for the sport, isn't it? It's going to be like a real proper home race cauldron. And, you know, that's we love that. We love that at Monza, don't we? We love that at Silverstone. I'm yeah, probably going to get mean, that it, here. It, it's going to be great. And and the other thing to say also is that the, the demand for tickets in, in in Zandvoort was such that they had to have ballots for people to get them. And, I mean, there were a million people wanted tickets wow. for the weekend. So I'm told. may even be more than that. Which is why you're seeing so many Dutch going elsewhere, because they couldn't get into their home Grand Prix. So they'll drive to Belgium. They'll drive to Austria. They were driving to Hungary, you know. Um, anywhere they could get in during the COVID, um, everywhere was Dutch. So, they, you know, they're mad fans. And why not? You know, the, the ultimate irony, of course, is that Nick de Vries recently became the first Dutch world champion yes. of an FIA in the hopeless Formula E. Um, oh, Joe, we've talked about this, Joe. I'm just winding everybody up for fun, don't worry. But, um, you know, it's not quite the same as winning the world championship. But, you know, the irony is there. Nick is a world champion. All right. The, the rest of the schedule, looking forward. I mean, the FIA website is still showing Japan uh, there. I'm assuming that is definitely, definitely cancelled. And we've got an exciting new track called uh, TBC. A- any surprises? That, uh, TBC is translated as Qatar. Oh, OK. 100, 100% Qatar. Um, now, I'll, forget- put, I'll put money on it and I don't bet on motor racing. Okay, well, so. Is that track built? Yes, it's Fully. a MotoGP track and oh, it's been, right. been run for years and years and years. It's called Losail International. They probably pronounce it differently, but I don't know how they well, pronounce what's it. What's it, it like? I have no idea. Never oh. been there. It's a bike track, but it is. It is a. It's a. It's a circuit that is homologated for Formula One, and therefore we can go there. It also has lights, so I don't know if we're going to have a night race or a day race. 
but just watch out for it because we'll be going there a lot in the future because there's at least a 10-year contract in place right. after this. Okay, so slightly nervous about the end of the season. I've, I've, I've bet that it will be decided by Brazil anyway, the title. But obviously, <laughs> I, I, I love... I love um, I love Kota. I think that's a wonderful track. Obviously, Turkey, Kota, I guess a gap for Japan. Mexico can be hit and miss with that stadium section. Interlagos, I love. And then I think we've potentially got three three dead rubbers there at the end. What do you, what do you think of those tracks? Because, I mean, Saudi Arabia is an unknown to me as well. I've, I've no idea they're still yeah. building it as we speak. I got some photographs the other day of tarmac ah, being laid. Is that where I got in my head about, is it finished? So, so the Saudi track isn't finished? Uh, no, not yet. Um, they're cutting it fine, Joe. Yes, they are cutting it fine, but they have a hundred days to go. Okay, and you're confident, and, and it will be, it will be a little bit hit and miss. But if you know those of us with long memories will remember the first trip to Barcelona, where everything was—I mean, talk about being finished. It was a mud, a mud, another mud bath, um, and everything was sort of being slapped together at the last minute. It's often the case. That was true in Korea as well. So it's going to be a rush. Oh, I miss that track. I like that track, that Korean track. Yeah, so track. did I, but it was in the middle of a bog, 150 right. miles from anywhere. So, you know, um, it was horrid, really, in that respect. Yeah. And it rained all the time, too, which was ghastly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, w- hopefully one day we'll go back to places like that and we'll get some sensible deals done. But um, thus far, Asia has proved a bit of a problem. Yeah, so w- while we're at it, a bit of a tangent, but, yeah. Look, India, that was a good racetrack. So Korea's a good racetrack. Malaysia is a good racetrack. So we're missing these and we've got... Yes, but but you can't just rely on a good racetrack because you've got to have money to pay for it. And you have to have governments that are sensible and don't do daft things, like in the case of India, trying to charge taxation on the Formula One teams for one twentieth of their revenues. Right. You know, this is what killed it. Some stupid politician somewhere... Thought that, or or a bureaucrat perhaps thought that they might make some money out of Formula One, pure cash wise, and tried to charge them more money for going there. Whereupon they were, uh, 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 how should we say, um, a combination of one and two fingers was raised right. at the Indian, and they were told to go fly their kites somewhere else, and that's what happened. So um, we're never going back there unless they get that sorted out. Should we be there? Of course we should. It's the second biggest country in the world. Of course we should be there. Oh, uh, China. We, yeah, we haven't had China for a while. Is that going to come back? Well, yeah, I mean, China is, is very likely to come back, but, you know, uh, it's difficult to go anywhere oh, yeah. with the pandemic, no, no, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam have built a racing circuit in the middle of Hanoi. We're not going to go there. But, you know, we've got to, first of all, get through the pandemic, and then we've got to get deals together to go to places. We were going to Malaysia for years. We could go back to Malaysia. We were going to Singapore for years. We, could, you know, we should go back there. But until everything is nailed down and we have a vaccination um, philosophy that is global, not country by country, it's a complete nightmare. And that's going to take time to do. So because you know, we're not going to see the end of the pandemic for a while. And I think already it's fair to say that the 2022 calendar will be disrupted by the pandemic. I don't yeah. think Australia. The way Australia is at the moment, if they put it on the calendar, it's not going to happen. But who will be driving in 2022. Wait, Joe, I'm going to do a snazzy bumper. Makes it seem all kind of news magazine show, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a better segue without all that, but never mind. Um, (laughs) So, you want to know who's driving where? That's easy. Wait, I've got questions. I've got questions. Let's let's do it with people's questions because there's uh, loads of drivers involved in transfer speculation. 
where shall we start? If we just do the obvious one straight away, everyone will tune out. So Alex Drillsma has asked us, with Alonso confirmed at Alpine and Perez confirmed at Red Bull, has Gasly got any other options rather than staying at Alpha Tauri and should he stay? So I, me, I heard one thing from, from Gasly, which was he said, the, it, the comment was something like, they have want him to be the leader at Alpha Tauri. So that looks like the carrot he's been dangled, which is, hey, look, this is your team. This is your baby. You're the number one driver. Is that his incentive? Oh, it's his only choice. Right. <laughs> okay, but well, that's he, that. He's under contract. He's under contract to Red Bull for another two years, and they'd be stupid to drop him. So um, basically, uh, he's not moving anywhere, and uh, he will be confirmed, and Sonoda will be confirmed if he keeps on going well. The interesting thing is that uh, obviously when that deal was done, Red Bull wanted to be nice to Honda and love them forever and ever and ever. So he was part of that. And if they've taken over the Honda project and Honda's involvement fades away and Sanuki, Sanuki, I can't speak English, Yuki Sonoda yep. um, doesn't do the job, I can see him being booted out once the Honda influence begins to wane. However, he is quick and he is quite good at it. So we'll just have to see how he does. But right now that team's staying the same. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's see, EJ has weighed in with a very Danishy question. Uh, Rumours about Albon and Hulkenberg rejoining the grid. Alonso has renewed and only Kimi is leaving. How does the future look for the upcoming drivers? Ah, this is good. How does the future look for upcoming drivers in the junior formula? And is there any potential in them compared to the current roster in F1? Yeah, if, we, if people are just rolling back in and drivers seem to never be retiring, it does make it a bit despondent doesn't it for the for the juniors coming through it happens it happens but the good ones get a space so what's going to happen to hulkenberg's done forget it you're done not not going to see him um albon interesting question now i got a little secret to tell you now (sighs) scooping the world apart from the blog of course of course um last week nicholas latifi had a an uncertain covid test Right. And for a few days, a day and a half, Williams needed to find an alternative driver. Who did they go to? Hulkenberg. 
Din, 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 din. Alex Albon. Incorrect. Alex Albon was the answer to that That's question. That's so interesting. Well, because he's the only driver on the market at the moment with immediate knowledge of a top team. So if you think if you think about it, that's quite a logical thing to do. He's also got mm. no reason to stay at Red Bull anymore because they've just confirmed Perez. So he's got no drive for next year, which is two seasons yeah. out of racing in Formula One, and two seasons that means you're, you're finished. So that's why he turned up at Indianapolis last week before all this happened to go and see what was going on in IndyCar. But if there's a potential for a Formula One drive, Williams, I would see Albon going to Williams. Interestingly, Jost Capito, the boss of Williams, when asked on the subject, said, we're not looking for experience or inexperience. We're looking for somebody who best fits what Williams needs. What somebody who fits what Williams needs has is a desire to stay there for a long time. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a good driver, decently young driver, a driver with decent experience in a top team who wants to stay there for a long time. Um, oh, Yes. Alex Albon, he fits all of those, doesn't he? Yeah, make it yours. Now, Nicholas Latifi is already signed there for next year, which they haven't announced yet, but that's oh, definite. Right. Okay. Uh, he has a contract. They can't throw him out because Daddy's providing lots of money for the team. Mm -hmm. Now, if I were them, and this is pure speculation, but there's one bloke out there that no one's talking about, which is bonkers. Everyone's talking about Teo Porcher, and everyone's talking about Guan Yu Zhu. No one's talking about Oscar Piastri, who is an Alpine junior driver with nowhere to go because Alonso and Ocon are there yeah. at least one more year. Now, if I was Williams, I would go to Piastri, who incidentally is overseen by a man called Mark Webber, who has something of a history at Williams. I might go there and say, listen, Oscar, we've got a deal for you. You've got a better record in the junior formula than almost everybody apart from Charles Leclerc and George Russell, would you like to join us for one year of um, reserve driving, learning how it all works, um, and then join us full-time when Nicholas Latifi disappears in 2023? That's what I would do if I were them, and I would be, I would be astonished if they do something differently, but if they're a sensible racing team, that's what you're going to do. So you'd have Albon in for 2022, and then Albon and Priastri for... 23 yes. that's if you're and the I'd coach have, and i have computer. those two drivers on long-term contracts both of them and the other thing to bear in mind is you go ask george george mm. what do you think of alexander albon as a driver and george says i'm yeah. off to mercedes-benz i don't give a monkeys but he's my best mate and i've known him forever we used to share a house together in milton Keynes. therefore i suggest you take him because he's jolly fast and red bull wasted him mm-hmm Twice, actually, Red Bull wasted him. So Alex Albon, I can see that the allegiance to Red Bull, having been wasted twice by them, is probably not so huge. And they can't offer him anything anyway. Okay, hang on a minute, Joe. Big assumption here. You seem to have made a big assumption that there is that seat, George Russell's seat, available at Williams. So let's get to Mark no, Greenhouse's no, 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 question. No, 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 there's no assumption. Hang on, hang on. Let me ask the question. A, a question from listener Mark Greenhouse says, uh, Bottas got a new car from Mercedes. Is that a parting gift or a signing on, uh, a signing on bonus? So Mercedes have done that big Twitter thing. They, they've given Bottas this beautifully liveried Mercedes car. And there was a picture on Bottas on his Instagram of him with a notepad and pen as if he was about to or had just signed something. So what's going on then? Is it a dead cert? 
uh, Russell to Mercedes? It's been a dead cert for about three months. It is, look, Sergio Perez signing for Red Bull tells you something, okay? What is that something it tells you? It tells you that Red Bull can't get George Russell. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Now, prior to that, George Russell didn't have a contract for next year outside Williams, but he did have a Mercedes contract. Now, George Russell sitting around for a year waiting to, to replace Valtteri Bottas is not going to happen. So the only choice was, if he comes out of his Williams deal, he'd do another deal somewhere else. And going to Red Bull would be a way for George to get into the big league. And they'd take him in a, in a heartbeat. They would take him. So signing per- Perez means no room for George. No room for George means that they know that George is doing something else. And if George is doing something else, there's only one thing George is doing. So we know he's going to Mercedes. And Valtteri Bottas is off to Alfa Romeo because... It's an Alfa Romeo. It's a car company. It's a fig leaf. Going back to Williams would be returning to his roots. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. Well, you seem very sure, Joe. I am very sure. (laughs) So why the delay? Why the delay on announcing it? Ask Toto Wolf. Who knows? Was it? Well, I mean, there is a there is a logical conclusion, which is that if you tell a driver he's not driving for that team again in the future, he might just say, oh, to hell with it, I can't be bothered to put my life on the line every time I go out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to win the Constructors' Championship. Now, I'm not saying that, that Valtteri's like that, but I can see that being an argument. Um, I just think that you have to have a future for George Russell at Mercedes. You have to have a future for somebody to be trained up and ready to go. They don't want to have another Valtteri Bottas scenario whereby Lewis decides at a moment's notice I'm quitting and there's nobody ready to mm. take over. You know, sorry, not Lewis, uh, Nico. Nico, yeah. Nico, Nico decided at a moment's notice, I don't want to do this anymore. Therefore, let's bring in Bottas, but he needs time to get up to speed. That's not how to do it. Okay. One, day, one day, Lewis Hamilton's going to say, oh, I can't be bothered to wear this horrible clothing that people are paying me to wear anymore. I want to stop. I want to give up. I've won enough championships. I've done this. I've done that. I want to stop. And Mercedes needs somebody ready for that. So, so but they're, they're not going to put George in a worse car. That's not the Mercedes way. No. They're so not. they're going to they're going to be free to race. They're going to have yeah. uh, potentially another Rosberg Hamilton scenario yes, on that. Do they? Do they really? Do they really want that? Is that worth that? Surely, just wait for Lewis to retire. There's there's going to be Ocon waiting well, in the wings. The, There'll be at, Norris. No, 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 no. Look at the championship points in the constructors' championships in the years when Rosberg was there and when Bottas was there. Rosberg-Hamilton was a better combination than Hamilton-Bottas. There was a, a difference in the car superiority, though, wasn't there? When Bottas came in, the Ferraris were giving much more of a challenge. No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The point is that you want a second driver who will produce the maximum because you're up against Red Bull who are, you know, really, they've got two good drivers and pushing. I mean, Red Bull has a habit of not having two good drivers at the same time, but... You know, with Perez and Verstappen, that's a, a decent con- constructors' championship challenge. Ferrari got a great lineup, but not the car to do the job. Uh, Alpine have got a great lineup, but not a car to do the job. You know, so basically, you have to have the best possible combination of drivers, and the best possible combination of drivers, young and old, is Hamilton and Russell. Okay. What the only thing Mercedes does lack is is what happens. When Lewis wakes up one day and says, I want to quit, they need to have somebody ready to go into that place too. And that is more difficult. 
Okay. And what do you think about Hamilton potentially quitting? Because he's got two years left on his contract. That doesn't mean he can't pick up and walk away at some point. He'll just be in breach of his contract and give money back. But what's what does it sound like he wants to do? Does he want to go for 10 well, titles? I think, I, I, think he's, I think he's happy racing cars and doing his thing. Hmm. And he wants to go for as many titles. He always says he doesn't care about contracts and he'll quit when he fe- doesn't feel like it anymore. But he still loves what he's doing. He still wants to beat the records. Uh, He still wants to remember also that when you stop being a Formula One driver, your ability to have a platform on which you can spout forth on other subjects disappears as well. Um, So, you know, he wants to be able to do his social stuff, social um, world changes. Um, But if he's not in Formula One, he won't have that platform anymore. So, I mean, I I don't imagine that would be dominant thought in his driving career, but there's certainly an element of that as well so i think he'll go on until the end of his contract and we'll see you know if he's still loving it look at alonso so just for the record just for anyone who's listening i think it's the wrong shout and what i was what i think is that people are setting the wrong standard for for bottas as an he's an out and out number two driver and we're just not used to to seeing that at mercedes and he was doing the job and until they start losing constructors championships which they haven't been it ain't broke i don't see what they're fixing I just don't see it. They're fixing the future mm. because Valtteri Bottas is not Lewis Hamilton. George George Russell, maybe. You know, that's that's what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're getting ready for the future. And Bottas, who has done nothing wrong, apart from a few mistakes, but he's yeah. fundamentally done nothing wrong. He just hasn't done quite enough right. Yeah. Sorry, we, you're, you're we, saying we, he hasn't we, done anything wrong. Very soon after Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> you everybody yes. makes mistakes yeah. okay lewis hamilton you know remember too also you know history history might be different in red bull if lewis hamilton hadn't rather hack-handedly crashed into albon in austria last year albon would have won that race probably and then would sergio perez have got that drive probably not you know it's just the way it is people make mistakes occasionally and um we just have to handle that and live with it but I, I just I don't think Valtteri's done anything wrong, and I think he's a formidable racing driver. And he's the, the greatest thing about Valtteri is he's every time you punch him and he falls down, he gets up and gets punched again, and he's happy to keep doing that. Which is, for me, um, really re- his remarkable strength is his, his resilience to being beaten all the time by Lewis. Um, that is spectacularly impressive stuff. He's a solid, solid individual. And he's and he's a number one in every team in the paddock apart from Mercedes. So if he goes down to Alpha, do we think he's going to get beaten by uh, Antonio Giovinazzi? No, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, because Kimi Raikkonen is well into his retirement already. Although you know, a lot of people who like Kimi because they think he's funny um, think that he's still fast, but basically he's not. So it's time for him to go, and he probably knows it's time for him to go too. Um, it's not like he needs the cash. Um, and Valtteri will be a very good choice for what is supposed to be a manufacturer team. So, you know, it all makes sense to me. All right. Well, let's move on to the next question after another beloved bumper that you love so much. That's proper funky. How can you not like that, Joe? You've got no soul. It looked like the spa crash in 1998 with all those wheels flying by. It did. It did. It did. You've hit the nail on the head. All right. Uh, Mike Stoner, will Ricardo have a seat next year? Daniel Ricardo. Next year? Sure. He's got a contract. Oh, he has. Okay. And and to to be honest, he did very well at spa in qualifying and in the race, actually, come to think of it, because it was the same. But (laughs) 
Did, did he do well at qualifying? I mean, Norris he showed... Fifth. He was fifth, wasn't he? Yeah, but Norris showed that was a pole position car. Yes, he, he did. But, but Daniel is Daniel is not, perhaps... Um, I think Daniel's been, been taken a little bit surprised by, by how fast Lando is. And I think also you've got to bear in mind that uh, Lando is, has got his feet under the table. There. He knows everything, he knows everyone, yeah. etc. And Daniel's still learning. But... Daniel needs to up the game, and he has been recently. I think it's fair to say he has been upping the game. Um, and I think he will get there in the end. It's just a matter of how long it takes him to do. But but Lando is a very, very good package, as we say in Formula One, and we shouldn't we shouldn't pretend otherwise. Yeah, and next year, of course, is that big regulations <laughs> reset. That was what Perez was being very optimistic about, saying, well, you know, who knows what happens next year? Maybe that suits me, you know, because he's got a very different driving style. Uh, perhaps Ricardo as well. They, whatever happens next year suddenly means he can overtake people uh, into turn one more better than anyone else. Like, it is a real, hopefully, a real shake-up and reset. And uh, and then and then I think we'll see a bit of a fairer comparison, won't we? Uh, no, I, I also think one should bear in mind that Daniel's always had a bit of a weakness in qualifying, but he's a fantastic racer. He is, he, you know, he will make things happen when they can't happen. And yet there he goes, whoop, he's done it. There's a guy in Formula 3 at the moment called Dennis Hauger from Norway who is running away with the championship. Had a terrible weekend at Spa, but uh, not through his own problem. But he's pulling off the kind of things that people like in Formula 1, which is overtaking manoeuvres that are at the, time, at the same time beautiful and improbable. Um, and he's got this kind of level of talent. And I'm sure that in the fullness of time, Dennis Hauger will have a Norwegian fever going in Formula One before too long, I think. Oh, interesting, Joe. All right. To the Germans. Let's talk. Let's let's go German. You've dismissed Hulk. You've said we're never seeing him um, again. We've got a question from Paul Adams about Sebastian Vettel. What motorsport role does Joe think Sebastian Vettel would be best suited to after he retires as a driver? I described him on Sunday as he's just everyone's F1 dad now. Did you know he was actually sweeping water off with a broom as well? He was he was at Lacombe. They didn't show it, but he was at Lacombe with a brush. Uh, but he's so vocal and just seeing him being so concerned, like during qualifying and then going and stopping at Norris's car as well. It's it's a little bit unracing drivery in an odd way, isn't it? It's it's a sign of age. Yeah. It's a sign of age in racing drivers when they start to uh, worry about other people more than themselves. And in, in a way, I like that because it's a sign of maturity as well. But at the same time, I don't necessarily like that because it means that perhaps he's not as fast as he used to be. Yeah. But he is still very fast. I mean, don't knock him. I mean, he, 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 he trying to just trying to get it all together in the first few races of the year was tough. And at Ferrari... Um, he was in all kinds of trouble against Charles Leclerc. Uh, and he made, and, and Sebastian has made lots of mistakes. And this is, this is the, his one weakness in the arguments that uh, for him staying in the long term is that when he's under pressure from other people, he has been making so many mistakes. And you can't afford to do that in his position. Now, he's fortunate in as much as Aston Martin were looking for a famous name to go in there, and he fitted the bill yeah. there. Um, but he's not uh, shaming Lance Stroll, which perhaps he should be. Um, he's better. Generally, he's better. Generally, generally speaking, uh, yeah. when a team is run by somebody and their son is the driver, they're not necessarily the fastest driver in the world. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can say of 
including yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing the only thing in that particular case is to make the team better than everything else, and then perhaps some might win more. But he's not slow, but he's not the full package. And I think that's that's you know, we'll see how he develops. But um, I think if I think there's a level of stress going on inside that team, to be quite honest. Really? Um, well, yes, because I think that the racers in the team. Um, recognize the fact that if you want to get to the front, you've got to have the absolute best drivers available where the owner perhaps doesn't feel the same way. And I think that that level of stress will ultimately blow up because these things tend to blow up when you have internal stress going on. Okay. How, Talk to me about Lance Stroll a second. And yes, David Hart, Dave Hart, we will finish talking about Ferrari. Don't worry. Talk to me about Lance Stroll then, because there were times when I've, seen interviews and it just seems like he didn't care and this was going back a year or two now this season though when he's on the radio he'd seem a bit more passionate he does seem a bit more into it i don't what's the chances that you know he doesn't have to work for a living doesn't he what's the chances he just goes nah i'm done now no i don't know i don't know I, the thing about lance is that um he is he's 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 grown up in a, in a family with billions mm. and that has an effect even if it's a subconscious effect it still has an effect on the way you look at the world he doesn't have to worry about anything you know if he if he doesn't do particularly well um he doesn't really have to worry about it because his dad's not going to kick him out there's that you know so that that means a level of passion required is perhaps not the same now that doesn't mean he's not passionate about it to a large extent, but there are questions more, more for me is the question of whether he has all the skills necessary. He's got some of them. Certainly there's no question. He can drive a fast lap. He's good in the wet. He's, he's good on tires. There's lots of things that he's he safe. does that, yeah. that are very good. But then again, under pressure, it's not quite the same. We saw in Turkey last year where he was leading the race on pole position. He yeah. just went completely to pieces and, and, and for no obvious reason. And, there are occasions when yeah. this happens when you think nah, he's not the full package, mm. and that's what is his weak point. Now, if he can make it better um, and convince the that I'm just a reflection of the hard thinkers in Formula One. Yeah, I'm, I I think the same way because I've been around him long enough. I know how they think, and they all say he's not good enough because he's not full package. Boom, done. There's no there's no wishy washy. He might be da da da. I'm being nice in a way, because yeah. I'm saying, well, let's see if he can do it. But in, in the thinking of Formula One people, which is basically a hand down from Bernie Ecclestone, it's yes or no, black or white. There's no, there's no gray here. You know, it, it's as simple as that. So okay. um, that's how I feel about it. And I think lots of people feel the same way, but obviously everyone goes blah, blah, blah for the cameras. I'll just head off some emails. You can always email by the, us, by the way, feedback at mistapex.net. Always happy to pass emails on to Joe as well. That people will say that, that he had some wing damage in that turkey race when he was on pole, but then they never showed it. <laughs> they just went, he's got wing damage. Okay, can you show us it? Uh, oh, we're busy. And they carried on. But just pointing out that, yes, that was the claim from that Grand Prix, and that's why he fell back down the grid. Okay, uh, Dave, Dave Hart is asking very nicely if we can talk about Ferrari for a second. I know you need to get away in seven minutes, Joe. Sure, there's not seven minutes of Ferrari stuff to talk about, is there? When, no, not really. When Ferrari improves its power unit, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting because Dave says when and not if. 
and the new rakes coming next year. Is it safe to say they will have possibly the strongest driver pairing on the grid? I don't think that's a bad shout. Leclerc and Sainz seem to be both driving very well in a substandard car. I think the, the driver question is pretty cut and dry like they've got a very very good driver lineup but the the when with the power unit is what threw me about dave's question there well yeah isn't it I mean, if- the, the bottom line is that the ferrari power unit's still not up to it and next year everyone's going to have a new engine again so um we'll have to see who comes out on top it doesn't mean ferrari will uh because alpine will have a new engine next year mercedes uh will have effectively a new engine next year red bull will have effectively a new engine as well so we don't know until it happens who's going to have the best one so do they have the best lineup that's a very good lineup sure yeah. but so is alpine so is a number of other teams point. yeah up and down the grid they've got good lineups but a good lineup is not worth anything if you don't have a good car and a good car needs a good engine so you have to have and it's always been the way in formula one you've got to have all elements at the same time to have the best team because you're, you're up against the best people so that's, you know, we'll see. And, and that's all you can say. You just have to say, we'll see. And we'll start making noises about it in about race three next year. We'll be able to tell you. So if next season is indeed the incorrect decision to have Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, that is definitely a contender for strongest driver lineup, surely. Yes, I yeah. think there's no question about that. All right. Okay, good. Well, look, I know you're going to go and uh, tour the sights and sounds of Spa-Francorchamps. Did you get your car out okay? Was it a bit of a, a mud bath? I, well, one of the things I need to do this evening is go to a car wash because it is it is it is spattered in a way that uh, it was spattered in mud in a way that um, it would be in blood if there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre going on. You know, it's a real mess. So uh, it needs to be tidied up before I present myself to the paddock in Spa. I mean, so, uh, where am I going? Zandvoort. That's the one. You'd best go to you'd best go to Zandvoort, Joe. And do you wanna do you wanna pick out a do you wanna pick out a winner? Oh, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing I meant to say is that. Actually, that result, although it looks like Verstappen got a five-point lead and benefited, he had two nightmare races, not necessarily of his own making at Silverstone and Hungara Ring. What he really needed was like a solid weekend out of the front to kind of settle that and get himself back in the zone. Like He might be sitting there now thinking, actually, I lost the chance to make a 10-point gap. or a, Yes, he did. Absolutely. Yeah, or a seven-point gap. So psychologically, well, that wasn't a great weekend for Max either. It wasn't a great re- weekend for Formula One. The only people who truly benefited from it, I mean, truly benefited from it financially and in every other respect is Williams because they oh, picked yeah. up a, so many points that there's no way on God's earth that Alfa Romeo are going to catch them now. So Alfa is doomed to ninth place and it could be 10th place because if you have another freak race and Haas has a good one, you know, that's a danger, always a danger. So you've got to be turning in, you know, even if you only get points from qualifying, Alpha's got to do something about it. Yeah, it's going to be Otherwise, very tough. And, and they, yeah. they spend, they've spent tons and tons of money trying to improve the team and they've gone backwards. So that's not great. So what they have to identify why it's not great and fix it. Find out what Joe thinks very soon after every race by subscribing to GP Plus magazine. And someone in our chat room here pointed out that your magazine was out before the podium this week. So that's uh, that's a little feather no, in your cap, isn't it? Not, that's not true. It is wasn't. it not true? Oh, not quite. Okay. GP no. Plus magazine out very soon after the race. Also, the best blog in F1, the Green Notebook, Joe. And that's uh, that's still going. That's still up and there's running. Just, there's just one gone up about 
a few hours ago. So search Joe Saywood Green Notebook, and I think you'll you'll find that. So what I'm going to do... It, it will turn up, yes. <laughs> and follow Joe at Joe Saywood on Twitter as well. Joe, I'm going to play one of my fancy bumpers, and I'm going to hang up on you unceremoniously so you can go off and see the, the sights and sounds of Belgium. Thank you very much for your time, and, and have a wonderful Tuesday. Thank you. And as Joe disappears to go and eat some frits, uh, I just want to tell you what is coming up here uh, for the next couple of weeks. So we have, uh, obviously, race reviews. I think we'll continue doing those. People like those, don't they? Okay, good. In that case, 8 p.m. UK time. Come and uh, come and join us live. Uh, the chat is currently still at the moment, only in our live patron slack group uh, we are having a, a revisit and a rethink of that but we just we did need a pause on the phenomenon of 10 to maybe twelve thousand people at the monaco grand prix just flooding in there and having instant access uh, to be able to influence our moods and what's going on in the moment like i said you can still call me a turnip on youtube you've just got to wait till the final uh, the final video is out and edited and you can leave your comment there and i've been having a, a fine discussion with a few folks and I don't mind negative feedback at all and been speaking to people there. It was just the in the moment one. But we'll we'll revisit that. Maybe I can have a... Can I have an intern? Can I can I have an intern? Yeah, maybe I should train the lad up there to sit and filter and delete the, the mean ones calling me a turnip in real time. Uh, but also between the, the shows, we've been working harder on kind of midweek content as well. You've noticed on the non-race Sundays... We've been trying to have a bit of a variety. So we'll have a tech segment. We'll have a, 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 a news segment. And we'll sort of mash them up into a nice pre-recorded magazine-style show. I've really liked those. But in between the races on a Tuesday, I've been uh, trying to do something different. So today we've got Joe. We had Matthew Carter jumping in for a Tuesday in the last triple header. And next week, the one I'm going for is interesting. It won't be out till the Wednesday. But we've got a our lawyer. We've got our lawyer, Peter Wright from Digital Law UK, who's going to talk us through some of the contract stuff. You know, is a, is a contract watertight? Joe says Ricardo, for, for example, has a contract for next season. Can you sack a driver? So we'll be looking into some stuff like that. And uh, we're going to have Jeff jump back on as well with some of his great teammate battles. So me and him are going to have a bit of a chat about Multi-21, the Multi-21 era so that should be a lot of fun as well so we're just trying to you know add some variety try different things at different formats and so far i've been really really enjoying it uh, final word from me i want to expand my podcast horizons so if you have a podcast and you think i would make a decent uh, guest or panelist uh, i would love to jump on board i am a generalist i have uh, views on politics and uh, pop culture and i can take a punt at the odd scientific thing as well uh, then dm me dm me on twitter or email me spanners at mistapex.net and uh, I, I think i would enjoy jumping on some podcasts i do reserve i reserve the right to politely decline i'd like it if you were using microphones and not just shouting into a tin cup on a string that would be good if it was a decent show but i'm not worried about numbers or anything like that and We'll give you a little bit of a, a plug after my appearance. Bit of a plug on Miss Apex Podcast too. All right. I think that'll do. When am I going to see you next? 8 p.m. next Sunday. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Inside F1 with Joe and me, Spanners. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.